The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. Good evening and welcome power, to the Port Preview podcast for the Round 7 game I against West Coast power. Adelaide Oval, which will be played, I believe, about 4 o'clock-ish on Saturday afternoon-ish evening. Um, I'm Portia and joining me this week is Rick. Rick, how are you? Portia, are you excited? What about? Well, not only do you get me on the show this week, yeah. but you've also got Port Adelaide and Melbourne both in the top eight. What's more exciting to you? Uh, I'm not actually too concerned about Melbourne being in the top eight. Port Adelaide being in the top eight is pretty nice. Come on, um, we all know that you're a little bit of a closet Melbourne supporter. Yeah, but I'm, I don't know, like I'm just, I don't know, maybe maybe that's how much of a closet Melbourne supporter I've become because I'm just waiting, I'm expecting everything to go bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, probably look, one of the, the, the five stages of becoming a Melbourne fan. <laughs> well, it's also uh, the recent history of being a Port fan too, really, isn't it? That is true. Yeah. Uh, oh, dear. <laughs> well, you were supposed to answer, obviously, you being on the show. Well, yeah. I mean, you being on the show is quite novel as well. That's quite good. That's really good. Well, this and, is my, and my first no Thursday. Macca. No Macca. Uh, who cares about him? We know we know he's a, a megalomaniac, an egomaniac, so uh, just likes to exert his control. So it's good that he's finally given up the reins. Yeah. Look, I mean, I'm going to have to put a rumour to rest before it gets out there. And the reality is that, yes... I did kick Macca off the podcast for putting his chocolate in the fridge, but that's resolved now. Um, he can have his chocolate in all his fridges and everyone else will eat chocolate the proper way at room temperature. That's just downright ridiculous. What is? Having chocolate in the fridge. I know. It's disgusting. It just... when, did you dis- when did you discuss this? Last podcast, the most recent podcast, we discovered that Macca is a fridge chocolate eater. That's ridiculous. That's just like teeth-breaking material it, it's like you know i mean chocolate is like um a good soft cheese like you don't grab a camembert and you just hoe into it without letting it you know get to room temperature that's just that's oh, barbaric barbaric absolutely really who do you I'm do just, that i never no I i'm just saying wait. no one should do wait. that some people do uh, but i can't wait that long for the cheese i've oh, got to really? get to that straight yeah i've got to wait for that straight oh, get into it no, no, no. It. okay you're off the podcast now <laughs> what about what about wine I don't drink much wine, to be honest, but I certainly don't chill it. Here you go. Do you know? Do you know what is the ideal temperature for red wine? Um, twenty-five degrees. Fourteen degrees. Oh, okay. There you go. And white wine. Mm, it'd be five colder, degrees. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Five, okay. five degrees, and that's why you shouldn't store white wine in the fridge because it's too cold. The there you go. Too... Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yes. But anyway, interesting. We digress. Yeah, let's talk about some other things. Um, hot topics this week. I didn't think any of them were really worth talking about, so I've made it my own. Um, the first one is that this coming game is the SPP versus Cameron Venables game. In that uh, West Coast, at their pick before hours, they decided not to pick the guy that had been playing with their reserves team in the waffle, uh, mm-hmm. and pick a Victorian Cameron Venables, who you know he's got some good things to his game. Um, but he's not playing this year, and he's certainly not playing as well as SPP. So, look, that's got to be the hot topic this week is, uh, you know, how much will West Coast fans be 
tearing their hearts apart if uh, SPP comes out and has a good game? And do you think that he's got the killer instinct to really just destroy his old club? Who's um, who's better, Luke Hodge or Chris Judd? <laughs> it's too it's too early to tell. We're six games in. It's too early. I, it's too early to tell, but it's never too early for West Coast fans to get worked up into a fit of self-loathing. So that's that's the important thing to remember. What's more important is what years have we won the Rising Star and how has the team performed in those years? I think 1997 was Wilbur and 2000 yes, yes. and something was Se- Daniel Pearce. 2007, wasn't it? Was Daniel Pearce? I don't, I don't know. I'll have a quick Google. Yeah. But I think that's the more pertinent question. What is our success rate? 2006 was Daniel Pearce. Oh, so there you go. 1997 (laughs) and 2006 2006 were our rising star winners and how did the team perform? So that's not very good. So can can we buck the trend and actually uh, make finals and breathe? break our uh, recent history of uh, non-finals with rising stars. Well, this comes into my other made-up hot topic, which is that uh, came up when I was thinking about Hawthorne and how Hawthorne are weirdly finishing down the bottom in, the, in a 12s draft. But, of course, they traded their pick, but don't tell them. Um, and the last time Hawthorne finished right, right, right down the bottom after their, you know, before their long reign of being in finals and stuff was in 2004 when they drafted Roughhead and Franklin. Uh, and, coincidentally, Port won the premiership. So... I've kind of got a theory that Hawthorne rock bottom, Port Adelaide Premiership is the way this thing works. Um, it's not well, a coincidence. It just has to happen that way. Hawthorne suck. And Hawthorne, <laughs> are, cle- and Hawthorne are clearly tanking. Clearly. Yeah, well, yeah. They're off your clearly. tanking anyway. Maybe not on Clearly. And we know that what they, they exploit the loopholes and the rules perfectly, and that's what makes them so shit, because they do it well. You know, they don't finish mid-table. When they stink it up, they stink it up and to get the best, if they can. But they what would you say? They've traded their first-round draft pick out anyway. From memory, I have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, well, that's good. But I'm sure they'll try and trade to get back in there if they can. But um, I like it. I like it a lot, and... Do you think this is the biggest chance so far in the 20 years that um, of an all-Adelaide grand final? And I know it's very early. I know it's only six rounds in. But could this be the most realistic opportunity so far in the, in the re- most recent 20 years? I'd say so. I'd say so. Um, because Adelaide... Look, Adelaide are more favourite to make the grand final than Port at this stage. Uh, mm. So the fact that they've managed to elevate their game plan, and admittedly in a league that's got a lot of teams that are just okay in, a, in some vital areas where the Crows are pretty good across the board, I think that helps them. Mm. Um, but the fact they've managed to elevate from you know smashing the shit teams and then losing to the good ones to actually beating pretty much anyone that comes at them, like that's going to get them there. And then it just comes down to how explosive we are as a team. And uh, look, I think Port's got enough that we can compete. It'll just come down to the draw as much as anything, you know. It might be mm. laid port prelim or something, and that would be weird. <laughs> well, that'd be, that will be barbaric. Imagine how many people would get evicted for racism in that game. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. <laughs> oh, God. It would be crazy. And how many brawls would there be? Oh, my God. It might, but, be one of those, uh, uh, might be like they do in soccer sometimes where they just play it uh, in a neutral city so that locals can't get there and smash things. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, hey, that's not a bad idea. Hey, um, they, they'd actually probably fill the MCG if they had it at the MCG. Look, they probably I would. Reckon, yeah, I reckon they would go close. But I don't know how much, because obviously I've been away, so uh, I haven't heard a lot of the discussion of recent time, But uh, and it's a little bit off, off the rails. But that's I guess right. something... Um, it's an observation. I saw like the first quarter of the uh, Adelaide Richmond game out in the corner of my eye, and I sort of, I sort of picked up the same um, sort of thing with Port and Adelaide, mm. um, and that the intensity of that game was just astronomically huge. Like, um, and it was the same with the Port Adelaide first quarter, mm. uh, where the intensity of that game was just incredible, and I, I just noticed that. Adelaide against Richmond, when I was able to see it, were able. Adelaide was just able to keep that intensity at the ball and just moving the ball up for nearly the whole game. And it, uh, their fitness is just amazing at this point in time. Um, That's how it looks to me, anyway. I think it's more mental than physical. Like I, one of the things that we've heard in recent years is that our oh, port aren't fit enough; they're not running out of games. But the reality is, they're doing stupid running. Um, mm. Like they'd run hard to for no benefit, or they would decide not to run at a time when running even a little bit might have helped a lot. Like you know when it's offering a lead to a guy that's stuck at half back, um, mm. uh, and I think that's improved a lot. I think the team's mental focus has improved significantly. Like they're not getting confused with the ball um, when they're doing creative play. They're not missing the target as much as they used to, uh, and I think it's also been represented a little bit by you know Charlie Dixon seems to be a bit more involved, at least early in games, uh, which means that we're probably following some kind of system at times, which is good. I, I think it's mental as much as anything. But um, I'm talking about Adelaide. Yeah, Adelaide too. I think it's exactly the same yeah. thing with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're, just, they're, they're some... just doing it a little bit better at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and that's mm. coaching and playing group commitment. So, um, or, or one of them at least. <laughs> and probably yeah. playing group commitment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, but look, I, do, I personally think from what I've seen from Port, we still have more upside throughout the season that potentially Adelaide do. To be honest, I oh. I feel like they're I feel like they're um, almost firing on all cylinders, whereas I think we're you know three quarters. And so I think there's a little little bit more improvement there uh, for them. And uh, and as I sort of said to someone recently, I think the key for Port is we need to beat some of these top eight sides and a couple of top four sides that we want to finish top four. And that's what Adelaide have done so far. They've beaten Port, they've beaten GWS and they've beaten Richmond. And that's, that's the difference at this point in time. So I'm hoping to see where throughout the season, if we can step it up against those more important teams, which will be like the West Coast game this week. Yeah, look, I mean, it's easy to say we've got the room to improve, but I, I don't see heaps of room to improve, if I'm completely honest. I do see two areas where... Um, an injury could see our season almost over, and that's um, if Paddy Ryder gets injured or if Charlie Dixon gets injured. Um, I mm. think we can. I think we can cover almost anyone else. Um, but if either of those goes, then that just destroys our structure because we don't have anything behind them that has had any AFL experience. Realistically, mm. um, that'd be the same for most clubs nowadays, though, wouldn't it? Surely. Oh, uh, well, it's clearly been the same for West Coast because they're not. They're nowhere near the same side with Nadi Nui out. Um, yeah, but. I think that most of them, like literally behind Paddy Ryder, we've got Matthew Lobby, who is just nothing at the moment. And then we've got guys we've never played in Ruck. Or, or, mm. we, or we played Jackson Trengove there and he tries as hard as he can and still probably kind of loses, but makes up mm. for it in some other areas. And then we lose him yeah. as a forward. Um, 
so yeah, I don't know. I, I can. I think we've got some vulnerabilities that. The further we get through the year, obviously the chance of those vulnerabilities being exposed probably before the end of the year goes down. So let's hope they stay fit. If they stay fit, then we're in a good position. And then it comes down to, um, I don't know, it's going to come down to coaching. So we're going to work out. This is where we'll, this is you. If we get high up, we'll work out whether our coaches are any good. Watch watch out for the the, the shooting star, the Dougal, later in the year, I reckon. Well, well he's playing defence now. We're all fine for defenders at the minute, so... Yeah, but I can see the Dougal making a, a a late run come to the finals, maybe even in the forward line. For me, it's all about the Framp. Um, super Framp. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just to I saw him in the train. Terrible fun from music. Yep, I, sorry. I saw him in the tra- the, the change rooms. Um, yeah. In the Frio game, after the Frio game, and he's still a skinny guy, though. I just—he probably needs to hit the gym a little bit more, and I think he get pushed around still a little bit at AFL level. But all the reports at SAFL level, he's going gangbusters, so it'll be interesting. I think he, I think it's worth certainly at this stage of the year. I think that it's worth giving me a go. Um, yeah. As much as anything, so he can be aware of what he needs to get up to to actually play at the AFL level regularly. Yeah. So the, I really the Brisbane really game. Week for it. Yeah. yeah, the the Brisbane game would have been a great game to have blood someone yeah. like him. Look, Brisbane or this week against West Coast, who are playing their second rucks, you know. Um, what are they playing? Um, Vardy and Giles. Like, that's a good yeah. That's good for a rookie ruckman to have a crack at for a quarter or two. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, well, look, hopefully hopefully the, the selection committee will agree with us at some point. Um, maybe we're mm. going up against a side that isn't in the eight because West Coast obviously currently are. That might be part of why they decided against it, even though the ruck matchup was not unfavourable to us. Um, yeah, we'll see. I guess maybe they'll get. We it. will. Maybe they'll put Frampton in against the Suns. That'd be weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Mm. I don't know about that one. Yeah. All right. Well, look. This is where we'll talk very briefly about the um, what are they up to. Where we talk about the last couple of weeks that West Coast have been playing, so we can get an idea of sort of where they're at and what they're doing. Um, we'll start off two weeks ago when Hawthorne managed to defeat West Coast at the MCG. Uh, it was a fifty-point loss to West Coast, uh, and uh, Hawthorne they basically won every they won every stat category. They won on the scoreboard. They got thirty scoring shots to twenty. Um, they even won hitouts. Uh, really, there weren't a lot of highlights for West Coast. Um, but what was interesting is how some of their players in their losses really go down in form. And uh, in uh, what we've seen in the losses, the two losses they've had this year, is that uh, Kennedy has only kicked three goals in their two losses, between the two losses. Uh, and then the other games he's played in the wins, he's kicked four goals a game on average. More than. Mm. Um, so when you shut him out, they tend to lose. Uh, and another one, and he's been accused of it before, is probably Elliot Yo. He just doesn't get the ball when they lose as much. He, he's not important then. So I, I look with him. I'm not so sure whether it's just that there's a side effect of him, his style of play. I don't think he's an indicator, but I think Kennedy really is. He's been really important to West Coast this year. Did you watch? Obviously, I was away, so I didn't see it. But did you watch the game? Was there? Did they do anything different to shut Kennedy out of the game? Um, look, I mean, it's one of the things I've always said about Hawthorne, which is that their individual defenders aren't great, but their defensive work is usually pretty good. And I think that if we're looking at how Hawthorne's been gutted, that's probably the area of the ground where they've been gutted the least. Uh, and when you watch West Coast play, they're just not really clean with their disposal most of the time. Yeah. Um, Kennedy gets a lot of his uh, possession just because he's athletic, yeah? Because he can suddenly mm. run fast and hard and he's tall enough to, to make a contest and all that sort of thing. 
But as far as you know, systematic kicking two guys going forward, I'm not convinced that West Coast are anything really to worry about. And I think Hawthorne kind of put out a blueprint for how Port can beat them. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. But in that Hawthorne game, Jack Darling, Jack Darling did kick four goals. Uh, Luke Shuey, 33 disposals on a goal, and two goals, sorry, and the most inside 50s for West Coast. Um, but the other midfielders were just kind of contributors. They didn't, they, you know, they did enough, but not really enough, obviously, to win. Uh, mm. Yeah, and that was at the MCG. So that's, uh, I suppose, indicates um, West Coast travelling form. They haven't won it. They've lost both of their games at the MCG this year. Those have been their two losses, and they've won all their home games. Um, so did we we put out um, any press releases this week, how similar Adelaide Oval is to the MCG? No, maybe we should have. And I, have I used the word segue at any point in time so far this podcast? Not this podcast, no, no. Well, I have now. There you go. Okay, thanks. Uh, Simo, Simo wanted to know. He's been missing it, so there you go. <laughs> Alrighty. So, look, uh, and then I suppose we go to last week's game, um, which was uh, West Coast beating Fremantle, uh, 16-703 to Fremantle 9-862 at Subiaco. Um, this was a one-quarter game. It's not that often that you win a, a game where you only really pile on in one quarter and West Coast in that respect I think they've been like us in previous seasons where mm. like they kicked I think seven goals to one or something in the first quarter against Freo um, but then the final margin was only like 10 points more than that first quarter margin um, so they just they do alright for a bit and then they just kind of coast um, yeah and I don't know if it's whether they coast or not or whether it's just that Fremantle's defence tightened up and I think that kind of points to the same thing as Hawthorne which is that if our defence has time and they keep their heads, then I don't think... West, I think West Coast is very beatable, particularly given that we have tall defenders uh, that can work as part of a team. And I think that's what has hurt Frio, certainly with Kennedy. I mean, Kennedy kicked six last week um, and he was too big and strong for their defenders. And I think, I don't know, it, it, look, it comes to our, uh, our personnel. It is interesting to see Logan Austin named as an, as an emergency this week, all of a sudden. Um, mm-hmm. It makes me wonder whether they might decide he's a good matchup for Kennedy and bring him in at the last minute. I guess we'll see. I'm not sure. I don't, um, I don't think so. I, um, I think uh, we don't really have tall defenders, but we have tall defenders. Uh, we have players that play tall defenders. That's what Janus would say anyway. And, but I think what you've hit the nail on the head with is the, um, is the team defence. And clearly yeah. we're, the number, we're the number one team defence at this point in time. So yep. I would be very, very surprised if um, Kennedy gets the free reign against us, which he's had in the previous couple of years, um, kicking ridiculous amounts of goals. What was it? Seven goals last year at Adelaide Oval, which killed us. Um yeah, I think I think our team defence is a lot more structured now, obviously, and I'm sure you guys have spoken about it at nauseam, so I won't try and create a segue there, but um, I think we're going to do quite well in limiting Kennedy's output on the game. Yeah, no, fair enough. Mac has chimed in and he says he thinks we'll keep our defensive structure as it is for now, and I think he's probably right, um, but it is interesting to see a key defender suddenly named as an emergency. Um, well, I think we had three flankers last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I'd like to see Logan Austin in the side. I mm. think I think I'd still like to have that guy that's over 195 centimeters. Um, I think I think it's good for our balance, especially for the taller players that can go down there. But you know, at the same time, the guys that are in there are doing the job, and so it's really hard to uh, shuffle that around at this point in time. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, now, look, I mean, I, I guess that uh, we look at basically West Coast, we sort of discussed them a little bit. Um, it's become really clear to me that uh, Josh Kennedy is sort of like the tread ray in their forward line. Um, he's not the same quality, but he's just trying to be everything to everyone. Uh, he's at 25 marks for the season over six rounds inside 50. Um, and that's more than double their next best player. And, you know, for us, we think Charlie Dixon's had an OK start to the year. He's only had 18, so, and that's significantly mm. less. Robbie Gray seems to take marks in the forward 50 all the time. He's only taken 15. Um, so Kennedy really has been a shining light for them this year. But, as we said earlier, uh, 19 goals in their four wins, but only three goals across their two losses. So I think if you shut Kennedy down... West Coast will probably fall with him. And shutting Kennedy down, if you've got a physical matchup, that's great. But more importantly, just got to really frustrate supply. Um, yeah. I think that's something we've been doing in previous weeks uh, to our opponents anyway. I certainly think guys like Josh Shackey could agree to that, um, that we're just making it hard for them to get the ball forward. When they And when they do get it forward, it's not necessarily in a way that favours the taller players. Um, well, wasn't there the advertiser article that came out this week saying that our forwards are number one for defensive pressure at the moment or something. So, Yeah, I believe or, that. Yeah, so uh, there's been a great transition. And it makes me wonder, and sorry if you guys have already spoken about this, but uh-huh. you know, it was last year really a transition period for the team in relation to adjusting to Nathan Bassett's influence. And, uh, and obviously now we're seeing the fruition of uh, Nathan Bassett's coaching in the side this year. I think we're seeing this year, I think the big difference is that this is the first year we've had both Ryder and Dixon in the side, who were yeah. both recruited to cover very specific big holes in our lineup, and who we've only had one season of each, So, um, and not at the same time. So I think I think yeah. that's been the biggest difference. Like, you know, we're, we're controlling the midfield a lot more um, with Ryder's influence, but also, let's not forget Sam Pepper. I mean, he's been up right up there among our top clearance winners. He's competes all the time. Um He's been a real addition to that midfield, which I think is what has let down our defence a lot in the past. Um, mm. And, you know, we've had players say that they've increased their defensive workload. Like Ollie Wines has pointed out he was approached about having to work two ways more, and he's doing that, and that's going well. But then also mm. just the important focal point that Charlie Dixon adds in addition to that, um, like that's been absolutely huge. And then you add Jackson Trengo, who's turning out to be quite a handy second forward, which who, who really expected that? Like, is there anything he can't do at this point? It's pretty phenomenal. He, he's the reflex man, isn't he? He doesn't need to think. He just he gets ball, think. kicks it. Just oh, get like, ball, kick it, and it's through the goal. That's like all that greyhound. matters. Isn't he? Yeah. He just like, to yep, go. I want to see how he, how's he kicking for goal under a little bit of pressure, though, like a set shot. Is, is, he, uh, is he the same? I haven't, haven't really noticed him having too many set shots, but I think he's been okay. They've been pretty close. No, I mean, he did have that long snap from outside 50 or on the 50 or whatever it was, um, which came off. But you're right yeah. about not having so much of the long distance lineup at goal ones. But that's, I think, because he, he, like you say, he's reflexive and so he's getting the ball away to the next person before he has to do those terrible kicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's great. And he's, he's you know, a good call by the coaches to consider him as a, a the second tall forward. And, uh, yeah, it's enjoyable. I'm, I'm enjoying seeing someone like Jackson, uh, you know, having an influence up forward and, uh yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how it progresses throughout the year. Absolutely. All right, look, we'll move on to just discussing the selections now. Uh, and obviously, there's only one change report. Uh, Trevor Spoke is in. Carl Amon is out. Um, how do you feel? Look, I know there's a lot of people out there saying, thank God Amon's finally been dropped. But 
I think that he's been useful at gaining meters in the right way for the most part. Um, like there's been times when he's really cut a, a you know a line straight through the center square um, with his delivery and got it straight to a person, and that's been really great. I think the boke adds something to our midfield, uh, and that might be look that might be more what it's about at this point. It's just making sure we dominate in midfield so that West Coast supply to their forward line is extremely inhibited. Um, is a midfielder for midfielder more than anything? I don't think so because they're very different sorts of players. Um, I don't know. Like I mean. I, I wasn't sure. I think when we were doing the review podcast, I wasn't really sure whether, you know, it might be Youngie that got dropped. And I'm more and more, now that it's actually happened that Calais was dropped, I'm thinking, yeah, probably should have been Young that was dropped. Mm. <laughs> he has been a bit quiet of late. Um, the main difference between Young and Amon is that um, Amon has had more of the ball, but he's made more visible mistakes, whereas Young's just been quiet. So, And it, uh, that's not always better. <laughs> Quiet's not always better. I wonder if I wonder if Young might if he has another quiet game if he uh, if Mumphreys might be the one to take him over next game. I'd be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I don't. Uh, look, Mumphreys have to play extremely well. Um, mm. I don't know. Like for me, that's the if like if we're dropping Young, that says to me like that's the time at which I say bring in Frampton. Because bring in Frampton. Bring in Frampton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we're dropping Young, because we're dropping him as a forward, then if we bring in Frampton, then we have a three ruck and forward rotation of Paddy Ryder playing ruck and forward, Jackson Trengo playing ruck and forward, and Billy Frampton playing ruck and forward as a three pro nice. So I like that. If we just if we're going to drop Young for any reason, that's kind of what I want to see. Um, yeah, would like to send it this week, but there we go. This is what's happening. This is what we got. So just suck it up. <laughs> well, I think you're taking the Amon dropping quite well because I was expecting you to be a little bit more hostile about this because you've been a big defender of Carl on, in recent times and you think he, you've been thinking he's been unfairly picked on by supporters and uh, yeah, I, I can see the dro- I can see the reason to drop it would probably be him, Sam Gray or Youngie that would have been in the sights I would have imagined. I think there's a lot. I think that the difference between myself and a lot of people on Amon particularly is that there's a lot of people who think that if you make a mistake, that's worse than doing nothing. Um, mm. And that's, the, that's why they're the same people that were against Pittard as well, realistically, um, is that if you make a mistake, it's worse than if you just have a quiet game. And I, and I don't agree with that. Um, particularly, no. when you're, particularly when you're a creative player trying to set things up downfield in a serious way. Because, you know, Carl Amon doesn't... Carl Amon isn't uh, just kicking 10 metres and screwing it up every week. He's having a crack and, yeah, a lot of the time... It, comes off and sometimes it really doesn't and sometimes he does screw up a short kick and everyone that's all anyone remembers so Nathan Buckley used to make mistakes too oh don't say that don't tell Bucks <laughs> <laughs> even, even the best of them still make mistakes so yeah, it's well, just I'm not I mean, going yeah. to join I guess... ledge saying that Amon's the same as Buckley but uh, you know, no, no. for going there <laughs> but I mean like, that's my bugbear against um, Sammy Gray but my bugbear with Sammy Gray is he makes mis- the big mistakes against the better teams when there's more pressure on the line, and that's, that's and a that's why criticism, I, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But he still makes mistakes, right? And they're, but they're just so much more noticeable and they're glaring. And I just don't think, and I think even Broadbent to a degree against the the high pressure games and Westoff, there's some of those players that. Uh, make mistakes. I think Carl's just making learning mistakes. It's more they're more consistent. But I think as he gets the experience, like you said with Pittard, those mistakes become less and less. And he's got a bit more polish than 
um, than someone like, say, a Sammy Gray. But, um, yeah, well, we'll see how it, go, how it goes and how it evolves. But it's great that we've got lots of depth at the moment and uh, it's creating pressure for spots. Yeah, we've got lots of depth in some very specific positions, though, which is, I think we already mentioned, I mean, I already mentioned, you know, Ryder and um, Dixon being the great hope for us. Uh, we'll see. So, so, Portia, as a list management expert <laughs> on, stu- on studying Port Adelaide, yeah. do you think there is any coincidence between having one million players coming out of contract this year and, no. and, and increase in our performance this year? I think there is no coincidence at all. I, <laughs> I think that is 100% a huge motivator. And when you have a bunch of players that are similarly motivated, you get good years. Um, yeah, I, look, I mean, and we, and more importantly, like there might be clubs, there might be clubs where they actually play better when they've all got long-term contracts. But looking at Port Adelaide over the last ten years, like every time someone's signed a long-term contract, they usually tail off. Um, mm-hmm. No one's been more guilty of that than Westhoff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's been the king of that. Um, so, uh, look, I mean, I kind of feel that. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have shorter contracts. I think we kind of need to move to it because what's happening is that even when players are coming out of contract, they're still pretty keen to stay at Port at the moment. And where we're mm-hmm. out on the ladder, like we've got a bit more luxury in that regard, we can afford to have maybe have players on shorter contracts because they're happy to stay as part of a team that looks like they might be successful in the near future. Yes. Um, well, I hope we're not writing a five-year contract anytime soon. Well, yeah. Uh, the only, for me, the only people are getting five-year contracts are twenty-three-year-olds. That's that's kind of it. Like if you if you're over twenty-three, there's no way you should ever get a five-year contract in my view. But that's my view. Um, mm. So Ollie Wines at the end of this year. Oh yeah, I'd consider it for Ollie for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I'd be all right if if they say Ollie Wines five-year contract, I'd be all right. If they go insert twenty-seven-year-old player five-year contract, no. <laughs> Sam Power Pepper five-year contract yep, at the end I'm of this fine. year. Absolutely okay. I reckon he's warranted that. Um, yeah, I'd be all right with that. See, that's the thing. Like, sure. I'm not against the long contracts. I'm against them in the wrong circumstances. But 22-year-old Brendan Archie, five-year no. contract. <laughs> yeah, no, because he's not performing. So, no, <laughs> So, right. I just had to throw, throw that one in. Yeah, all right. Well, look, we're going to go through the matchups quickly now, Rick. Um, yep. Some of them are pretty easy. Um, we've already kind of discussed Rucks a little bit, which is that they haven't got Nick Nardinui. Instead, they're playing John Giles and Nathan Vardy, who, between them, neither of the, well, neither of them individually is as good as Paddy Ryder. That's that's not even an argument. Um, they might be a worrying couple if we still had Wobby and Ruck, but we don't. Hooray! Um, mm. So even even if they manage to somehow get more uh, hitouts than Paddy Ryder and Jackson Trengove, I think the reality is that our taps will be a lot more useful than theirs. Um, so I think we probably you have to say that we're going to win the rucks. Um, Do you think they could be a little bit underhanded? Do you think they might try to take Ryder out? No, no, I don't. Um, no, no, not at all. I don't think so. No, no, not try to give him a corky knee in the leg, you know that sort of stuff. I don't think any Get more re- than usual. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Just curious because we are very reliant on him, like we pointed out. So yeah, I'm sure. A, I'm sure a scumbag team like Hawthorne would try to do something like that. Yeah, those scumbag Hawthorners. Well, I suppose Sam Mitchell's playing for the Weagles now, so uh, you never know. Um, yes, but he'd probably have a crack at SPP. You'd think. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think. <laughs> that's I don't think so. You reckon? No, yeah. he'd pick on someone like Polik or someone. Someone that he thinks he could potentially beat. 
He'd be yeah, too worried. He'd be too worried that SPP might try and beat Just get him the up. Fend off. <laughs> yeah. Fend him off in the nose, fair and square. Bang. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I broke it. Didn't mean to. My apologies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure. We'll, I'm sure that we'll see something absolutely diabolical that should get a West Coast player suspended for six weeks and nothing will be done, or he might get a one week for good behaviour or something. I'm sure that they will have something. I'm just not sure it'll be targeted. I think it'll just be because they're angry. Well, it does. We have actually progressed to the midfield conversation quite well, though. Yeah, well, we're in it now. Um, midfield, yes. the matchups. Uh, look, Luke Shoe is kind of, in my opinion, I think he's been the real star for them this year. Um, he's, he's, he's only tallied less than 30 disposals once for the year. I think he kicked a couple of goals last week, and that was the week he did a bit lower, so just playing a bit more forward. Um, I kind of feel like there's other guys that are accumulators, but I think that Shui is kind of the key to beating the West Coast midfield, in my opinion. If you beat him, mm. then the others are going to, you know, they're going to be all right, but they're probably not going to be as penetrating uh, and as dangerous as Shui. So, um, and I'm talking there about Gaff and Prittis and Maston. Like, they're all okay on their day. Um, but I think that if you take Shui down against Port Adelaide's defence uh, and uh, midfield, I don't think it's going to be their day. I guess this is where clearances become really important, doesn't it? Clearances become really important, but more than that, just the defensive accountability. Because um, West Coast, they're really keen on getting the ball loose. Uh, they're still playing a lot like they did under Wusha when they won Premiership. Um which is that they're very keen on kicking the space and sort of running with it but without actually taking disposal, or sorry, without actually taking possession so you don't necessarily get tackled and paid, free kicks paid against or whatever else. They're pretty good, um, but they play a very specific way and it's a way that I suppose the last... I mean, I think that West Coast are kind of Brisbane with a better squad. Um, and I, so I think that for the same reasons we beat Brisbane, I think they're pretty much the same reasons why we're probably going to beat West Coast, in my view. Um, hey, don't get, don't get to the end of the run sheet too early. Come on. <laughs> I said probably, and I haven't said a motor or anything. We're, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Mac has chipped in saying their midfield's strong. And look at it. I mean, it is strong. Because if it wasn't strong, then yeah. we wouldn't even be talking about Josh Kennedy being a, a, a forward to shut down because he wouldn't be getting the ball. Um, he certainly wouldn't be, getting, wouldn't be getting it close to goal. Um, adding Sam Mitchell. I mean, I think that Sam Mitchell, he played his best game of the year against uh, Freo last week. Um, and he has been a player that has got away from us from time to time. Um, so, I don't know, that could be a ghost of seasons past if we're not a bit careful. Um, I don't know, what do you think? you think we no, should I'm be very, about Sam Mitchell? Not really. I can, I'm very confident about our uh, midfield structure. And, you know, so I guess I can say that um, I've been very critical of the coaches over the last few years. Um, and so I really need to, you know, to recognise an improvement. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, structure now around our game plan as a team and also in their, their units, such as the midfield unit. So, uh, yes, they've got a strong midfield, but I think uh, with a strong Paddy Ryder uh, influencing the ruck and we should really dominate the ruck quite well this week, it is going to give first use to our midfielders more often, which I think is definitely beneficial. And that's, as I've said in previous uh, years, you know, I've always grown up with Port Adelaide having a dominant ruckman. You know, that is Port Adelaide to me. You know, all our great yeah. sides have always yeah. had a great winning Rutman. We've never been a team like Collingwood that, you know, has never had a Rutman and just you always coaches to losing rucks. And, you know, so uh, it's, you know, I always feel like Rutman are very influential to teams, especially your Port Adelaide team. So, uh, yeah, even though they've got a good midfield, I'm very confident with our structures that we uh, we can do well. 
Yeah, and I think that, like, you, you know, you talk about magpies there, but mostly, I suppose, but as far as AFL as well, I mean, we've had some really fantastic ruckmen at Port Adelaide um, Correct. that have been really influential for us, so um, that's interesting. Um, yes. Elliot Yo has just been brought up in the speaker chat, and we're just getting to him. Ryan Pillar's concerned about Yo. He reckons he'll play against Gray. Um, Yo is a guy that, and it's not just this year, he goes quiet when West Coast lose, and there's a big difference between his top performance and his bottom performance. Um, so look, I think it's really just a matter of having someone with him, not necessarily super close, but just enough that he can't just run around accumulating. Um, yeah, don't know, don't know. We're not really playing a tagger at all this year, are we? No, no, but it's, it's, there's always some players that you man up a bit looser or sorry, that you are less concerned about them getting the ball than others. I guess that might be the way to put it. So who's, um... um... Who, who would you match SPP on? Look, I mean, I kind of wouldn't match him on anyone because I feel like... Uh, I think I've said in a previous podcast that uh, Ryder to SPP is almost the new late to Bergwijn. I think that he's just so much of a damaging player. And if we're on top in ruck like we're expecting to be, like I think that SPP should just be absolutely running right. So it's going to be up to them to stop him, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. I, he, uh, It's really great. Every time you see a photo of SPP with any other players, he always seems to be trying to sit next to Paddy Ryder or be around Paddy Ryder like he's his, his, you know, his hero. <laughs> well, it's, but it's smart too, isn't it? Yeah, if yeah. you're a midfielder, you want to be good friends with a ruckman. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also a WA thing as well, maybe. I don't know. But um, it's funny. It's funny. Um, it's I, like, I just... Uh, yeah. I remember, it's like kids' football. Like, I remember watching my boys playing for Birdwood a couple of years ago. Okay. And, um, you know, and I'd, I'd watch the midfield setups and the best mates Rutman and the midfielder that midfielder always got the ball tapped in their direction so yeah, I think SP yeah. I think SPP is being very smart grease grease the hand that's going to feed you and uh, and you'll get fed <laughs> fair enough um uh, Mac has chimed in and he reckons that SPP is going to play on Pritis which I'm, I'm happy with that I think that's fine Pritis oh. has been pretty tackle hard though he's, he's pretty pretty physical I don't know we'll see well, it might actually help SPP learn something because, you know, Pritis has obviously got a fantastic work rate and is a great yeah. player, so yeah, uh, it could show him something. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I mean, I, I guess we'll see. I, I, yeah, like I said, I think it's going to be more that they're going to try and stop him um, because the others are all a bit more conventional and he's very... He's probably exploitable in some ways when we don't win the ruck, but um, when we do, then he's a worry. All right, so their forwards. We've already talked about them briefly, just talking about Kennedy. Um, one of the interesting things about it is that Port are currently allowing the fewest inside 50s against us in the league, uh, and we have the thir- third least marks inside 50 against us, which when you consider how Kennedy gets goals and where he gets goals and all that sort of thing, you'd have to think that on trend, he's going to have a tough day. Um, yeah, I think that I think that I honestly think that if we take out Kennedy, then they'll probably I mean they'll still kick goals, but I think it'll be less threatening. Um, Darling is doing all right this season. Josh Hill and Lacroix, they, you know, they chime in with goals and they're not bad on their day. Um, but given that you know Darling is the quasi tall, who I think that we've got matchups for him. You know, he's not going to outsize a guy like um, Homsch, and Jonas can probably do a job on him maybe because I think Cleary mm. will probably get uh, Kennedy. Um, then I think they're smalls. I don't, I'm not too concerned about us matching up on them. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, Lacroix is a pretty good mark, admittedly. 
Yeah, but it's team defense. Team defense. Right? Yeah. Okay. Team yep. defense. You, you talk I, the ground. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm very confident. I'm <laughs> very. I was about to stray, very... but you got me. Yeah, uh. I'm very confident. Don't don't stress. We're uh, we're good for this. So I, I predicted a smashing of Carlton. I predicted a, a very good win against Brisbane. I don't understand why people were so paranoid about Brisbane and. I'm very, very confident of another annihilation on Saturday. Well, look, I mean, there's probably we're unconfident about Brisbane and Carlton for the same reasons why some people are going to be unconfident about West Coast and Adelaide this week is that we've lost to West Coast the last two times we've played them in Adelaide. Yeah, um, but we've been a rabble. And West, we West have, Coast we were competitive. We, well, let's face it, we were a rabble. That's 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 all there is yeah. to it. You could, you could see, and we're not a rabble. We are very, very well organised this year. And at this point in time, I think we're a lock for the top six, unless something dramatic happens. So uh, I think we're good for the top four, but I don't think we're a lock for the top four just yet. But um, uh, I think people should rest assured that it, it's going to be a whitewash on Saturday, unless something very extreme happens. Macca's tipped West Coast by 47 points, so we're going to win. Yeah, but Macca's a control... <laughs> Macca's just the biggest control freak, but he's also a pussy. He's such a coward. <laughs> he's a big coward and a pussy. I've known him too long. I've actually sat oh. next to this growing man at the football and watched him cry. That's how bad he is. Toughen okay. up, Macca. Toughen up. Wow. Come on. This is getting a lot harsher than I'd planned. <laughs> okay. Too brutal, isn't it? Um, there was one other interesting stat when you go through the team stats, uh, which is that West Coast and Port Adelaide are the second and third in the league for taking contested marks. But interestingly, both teams are among the bottom four or the, the teams that concede the least contested marks to the opposition. So mm. I don't know how that's going to play out. Is it going to be that we're going to have a lot of spoils, maybe? Who knows? Very interesting. Ping pong. Ping pong. I think it might be a bit ping pongy. Who knows? But it might just mean that the ball comes to ground fairly often um, mm. and that the contested rate contested mark rate goes down in which case it's going to be about keeping your head so that'll be interesting from a forward perspective too so what if one what if one team uh, dominates the contested marks what happens then well then that team probably wins Mm. so that might be a good indicator for the punters out there look for the contested marking and see uh, see who's winning honestly i think port will be about three goals up by quarter time only three yeah three i reckon yeah yeah so will you were you actually excited last week after the first quarter that Port might win by, like, 250 points? No. No, I wasn't. Because I was. Really? And it, and it, yeah, and then the umpires um, came into it. Yeah. I was more excited after the second quarter, I think, because I think that was when Brisbane was staging a bit of a comeback and we were still smashing them. Yeah. Um, that was. I mean, that's, that's more important. Like, we... I think the reason why in recent week West Coast has been accused of being flat-track bullies is for reasons exactly like their last game against Fremantle, which is that they have the one good quarter, but then they let the opposition kind of push them around a bit. Mm. But, I mean, against Brisbane, we won every quarter, and you know we won them well, so uh, I'm not really too concerned. About yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we did yeah. right. So, uh, yeah, after that second quarter, I thought we could win by 100, and that would have been good. Yes. Mm. All right, we'll look quickly at the uh, West Coast defence. Um, look, I don't think they're great. I think Jeremy McGovern is someone we have to watch out for, but that's a Charlie Dixon to worry about and not really anyone else. Um, mm. He's good at defensive marks uh, and he's a big unit, so oh, I don't know. Like, if, you, if he was a short guy good at those defensive marks, you'd probably say we're going to be fine and we'll play an offensive tag on him kind of thing. But mm. I think the reality is he'll just probably 
annoy Dixon all game and we'll play around him as much as we can. Is Hearn starting to lose leg speed? Probably. I, I don't think any, any of the West Coast players have really dazzled me with their speed. I think Butler and Hearn are both good heads, but I think they're both pretty loose players as well. Um, mm. And I think they do all right when their midfield is on top. Um, but I think that if their midfield isn't on top, I think those guys can be exposed by our forwards. So I, I think that if everything else goes as we've been talking about it going so far um, in this podcast, then I think that those two will probably not have a great day. Mm. Um, they're allowing a decent number of marks inside 50. I think they're around the middle of the ladder as a team for doing that. Um, whereas, you know, we're pretty low. So I, I, think that's, I think that's kind of an indicator that their defence is beatable, particularly if we're winning in midfield. Um yeah, yeah I, th- I think so. I'm like you. They don't really concern me too much. I, um, Not really. But, I mean, look, I'll, I'll be brutally honest. I don't really watch too much of West Coast either. So well, No, I'll be honest, I don't. Outs- um, outside of uh, watching Port Adelaide, I sort of struggle to see too many AFL games these days because I've got things that I have to do, like, like look up my vegan recipes and uh, all those sort of good things in life. Yeah, we well, had a couple of interesting comments on the Spreaker chat about the defence. Uh, Ryan Pillar reckons they're a slow team in defence, and I agree. Yeah, um, yeah. Macca has said West Coast defence is similar to ours in that they're better as a group rather than looking at them individually. And I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. But I would also say that I don't think they've proven themselves under pressure like the Port defence has. Like even but isn't it isn't even, every team now... Sorry, Portia. I was just going to say, isn't every team now, really, they look better when they play as a team? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, look at Hawthorne's defence. Yeah. Yeah, look, absolutely. And look, that's the same with every defence since the beginning of time. Um, if they play as a team, then that, that's all right. Um, mm. But I, I think that just as a group, like if you put them against Port's defence, I think Port's got more versatility in defence. Um, we've got guys who can play taller and smaller. We've got a good attackers and good negating types. Um, you know, the fact that we've got... Uh, Pittard and Hartlett and Houston and Byrne Jones all in the same defence, and they're all very different types of players. Mm. Um, I think that we've got a huge versatility that I don't. I'm not convinced the West Coast has uh, that versatility of quali- quality versatility, not just the ability to have different roles but be good at them. Look, well, the only query I've got with our defence is probably Tom Cleary. That's I, probably um, this kind and of that's look- on a, it's a bit of a populist opinion, I know. I'm going to have a go at you for that because for the same reasons I have a go at people for having a go at Carl Amon, which is that Cleary has been set up against the biggest player on the opposition basically every week. And when the opposition midfield is on top, then they're going to kick it to a one-on-one. And of course Cleary's going to lose, but he's not there to necessarily win the one-on-one. Um, it would be great if we had that backup thing of having the giant defender that can actually still win when it get, when the, the team defence fails. But the reality is we don't, and not a lot of teams do, let's be honest. There's not that many, you know, humongous defenders that are good floating around in the league. Um, maybe maybe this will be where your mate Dougal Howard will come in because he's, what, 200 centimetres and he's playing defence. He, he could be the kind of guy that, you know, um, when the team defence does fail and it does come down to a one-on-one that he's the guy that can still, you know, knock the ball out of the hands of a guy like uh, Kennedy before he takes a mark or it's called a mark. Um, but we just, you know, I think that Cleary's doing all right at what he does. I think he's actually a really, he's good overhead mark. Um, and he's doing enough. He's, he's not losing heart at being beaten, which is great as well for a fairly young player. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, kind of, I'm kind of mildly on the Cleary bandwagon right now. But that leaves me feeling like we're just that one genuinely tall defender short in our defence. 
Um, but as we said last week, you know, or earlier this week, sorry, um, I feel like Hompsch is almost 30 and he's only 24. <laughs> so he's been yeah. around for years and years yet. Um, yeah, I'm, big, I'm a big Hompsch fan. I mean, I'm, I think most people are. And look, you're right, I do agree with what you're saying about Cleary, but I, I mm. still, I don't know, there's just something in there that does make... Look, to be honest, I mean, and it's a bit off topic, so I don't want to take too much time, but I guess it's that money ball thing. We've got we've got Logan Austin probably in the wings. You've got Dougal Howard um, also being groomed maybe as a defender as well. Hmm. Uh, if I was looking at that defence and, and trading and that sort of stuff, if we have a really good year this year, um, you know, the values of our players are going to be higher. Uh, is yeah. maybe a to- is Tom Cleary that sort of player that maybe we trade up, trade up and out um, to try and get back into the you know you might laugh at me and say he's not worth the first rounder so but is he the sort of player that we might try to see if we can jag a first rounder uh, with a higher trade value because we know we've got Dougal or Austin that can come in and replace his spot in the side. Look, Rob Snowden would probably do something like that. Um, I think that. By the end of the year, Tom Cleary... Will Do you mean Jeff rounder. Parker? Do you mean no, Jeff Parker? No, that was Rob Snowden back in the day when he traded French, when everyone's saying, oh, why are you trading French? Because we, okay. we, bo- we had Brogan coming through. We knew we had Brogan coming yes. through. Um, yes. It's the same same principle. Um, uh, look, I think that it could be Cleary. Uh, like I said, I think that by the end of the year, if he keeps playing every game as he has been playing so far, I think he'll be worth a first-round pick. You're right. But so might Homsch. Um Yeah, but I wouldn't trade Homsch. I think well, Cleary's the one know. that's expended... I think Cleary is the one that's expendable out of that side. I'm not convinced of that because I think that Cleary's doing a better job against the guys that are way too big for him than Homsch tends to do, which might mm. be controversial, but I think that if people watch for that, I reckon they'll see it. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with what you're saying there, but I think that you know you could replace Cleary with say Logan Austin or Dougal Howard more than you could replace Homsch. Homsch is best role and best suited to be that third man up and come in and cut out more than the one-on-one. And I don't think Cleary isn't as good as Homsch at that role, and I don't think he's as he's good anyway at that one-on-one. You see, I kind of feel like Dan Houston's diminished the need for Homsch to be that person because that's what Dan Houston's been doing for us this first part of the year is exactly what you're saying that Homsch is good at. Oh, my God. Don't talk about Dan Houston because he's just so amazing. He's fantastic. I love Dan Houston already. <laughs> he is so good. I don't know if I'd put him in the Homsch category of replacing Homsch because I don't think he's tall yeah, I, enough, I, is I reckon, he? I reckon, well, I reckon he kind of has it as that third man up, definitely, because he's got, he's got a good ah. leap and he's got a fantastic mark. And, um, but he's got great courage as well, well for a young right. player and a, confidence to back, and a confidence to back himself in. He is amazing. And it, but it just repeats what you keep saying, and I think I brought it up on the forums, that, you know, mm. half-back flankers can be easier to find. So why recruit them? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know, not to say that you don't need a good recruiting team, but that there yeah. are just generally more half-back flankers around that are of a decent but, standard. You know, every year there's a, a, some guy off the rookie list having a fantastic year as a half-back flanker. So. But what a... What a to pardon the pun, because it wasn't actually spent, meant to be a pun, but what a rocket's been launched by with Dan Houston. You know? No, but honestly, like he, he is a jet. Like I can't believe how you know, how he's just escalated his career since halfway through last year. I mean, seriously, when at the start of this year, I was like, who's this Dan Houston guy that's playing? And, uh, yeah, he is amazing. Love it, love it. Great story. Can I just say 
Channel 7 commentators have really been shitting me off when they've been talking about Houston, you know, whatever, the, the space jokes. And oh, we have be, a problem. And, and yeah, it's yeah. going to be really irritating when Logan Austin's in the same side and they start doing Texas jokes. That's just going to be really frustrating. So maybe that's nah. the reason why we don't want Austin to come in. The, the, only, the only Logan Austin joke should be the uh, 316 or whatever it is from Stone Cold. Okay, sure. All right, well, look, we're going to quickly skip through a couple of bits because we've kind of, you know, we're going waffled. over time. Yeah, waffled. We, um, we always so... go over time because Mac is no, not you yeah. always go over time. <laughs> yeah, but, but you let me go over time, whereas Macca just cuts me off and keeps going. Well, I'm doing See? that now, okay? So just let me quickly boo, run through. Boo. Rapid fire for a couple of things. Should we be concerned about Adam Simpson? First of all, yes, if he pulls on a Guernsey. Um, but ser- but even though they've beaten us the last uh, two years at Adelaide Oval, I think that Nadi Nui was kind of the heart of both of those wins. And the fact he's out this week, I think that is hugely plays in our favour. Regardless of our own form, I think that just the West Coast difference with Nadi Nui out of the side is enormous. Uh, and the second one, quickly skip over, is does either side have psychological advantage? Port, because we're on the ladder and it's a home game. Um, and we've got SPP and they don't. Um, so that's that. Yes. A yes. uh, couple of quick questions from the Bigfooty. Uh, Papagallo, what's in your fridge right now? What's in your fridge? Uh, mine is uh, apples and watermelon. Uh, I've got some cheese in there, which I'm not going to eat immediately when I take it out. Um, there's no chocolate, which is important. Uh, a bit of juice. Oh, I've got some cherries in there and some chili peppers and some onions. Really exciting. How about you? I do put I've onions got... in the fridge. I'll say that's an weird one. No, nah, that's just ungodly. I can't <laughs> believe that's worse. Onions in the onions and potatoes in the fridge. No, is no, not worse. potatoes, just onions. Yeah, but it's still just as bad as putting chocolate in the fridge. And the other thing, is, what's even worse than that, is when you put onions or potatoes in a drawer and then you forget about it until two months later. <laughs> but I guess what's in my fridge because I did that not long ago and it was not very nice. Um, almond milk, coconut milk. Uh, nice, butter, nice. butter. Um, oh, I've got butter out of the fridge at this time of year. Cause of bit of garlic. Um, I don't know why Nicole puts garlic in the fridge, but she does. We've got olives uh, and lots of green vegetables. And yeah, yeah. and that's about it. No oh, cheese. I, no, okay. I've got uh, Macca saying, crit- criticising the onions in the fridge thing. What the fuck is that? And I'll explain what the fuck is that. Which is that <laughs> when, when you're cutting onions that have been in the fridge... They tend to make my eyes hurt a lot less than when they haven't been in the fridge. Or what you do is you buy a thermomix and then it just processes it for you. Well, I don't. I chop. So because I chop, I keep my onions in the fridge. Ah. Okay. What's the next question? This is the best part of the show. <laughs> I know. I do, that's why I wanted to skip through the boring stuff about the game. Okay. Um, <laughs> Raymond's asked, is it true that Macca has no cupboards, just more fridges? Um, I think the answer to that is yes and that they're all full of chocolate being ruined. Do you agree? I... Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if Macca's got like a, a whole room of wine fridges in his house. You think so? I reckon I reckon he'd have wine fridges everywhere. Yeah, yeah, probably. I'm, I will yeah. just point out that Macca said on Spreaker Chat that Thermomix is cheating, uh, and I agree. Um, I don't care. If I don't have to cry, I do not care. <laughs> and that Macca, is fine. Macca has confirmed that he has does have lots of fridges everywhere and he does have lots of wine fridges, so that's good. He has three fridges. Yes. Three fridges, my God. Yes. Um, Ridiculous. We have got Power Girl spoiling everything by asking a question about the game. Will we beat the Eagles convincingly or will there be a bit of a bomb scare moment? What 
sort of question is that? That's just ridiculous. I don't even want to entertain that question, Power Girl. All right. You should... yep. Yes, that's Next ridiculous. Question. Next question. Um, Power Girl has also asked, do you see us being good enough to be able to beat the top two by the end of the season? I think you do, don't you? Well, I've already answered that question. Yeah. I kind of feel like we might, but I don't know that it's that we'll be better than them. I think we just, just might beat them on the day. Um, yes. We'll see how it goes. Um, Harold Oliver, preferred pasta for a bolognese sauce, tagliatelle or spaghetti? Now, this is an awesome question. This is the I question agree. of the night. Harold, Nick, awesome question. And Macca followed up with a more pertinent question to go with it, which you should ask as well. Oh, I, uh, I would go spaghetti because I hate the bloody the noodles or whatever they are because uh, they're hard to get on your fork and they come off and you can't... You can't scoop them. At least with the spaghetti, it's perfect. You just you can spiral it around the fork, and then you eat it. Perfect. I kind of feel like the sauce sticks better to tagliatelle, so I'd prefer that to spaghetti. Nah, nah, nah. Depends on the sauce. Yeah, that's true. But, how meaty it is. But I yeah. but I don't eat much um, spaghetti anymore because I don't eat meat. So yeah, I don't eat much. So, uh, but I did make an awesome mushroom carbonara before oh. I went to Bali, and oh. that was fantastic. And you've got to have truckloads of parmesan cheese to answer matters. I don't Matt's mind question. a bit of parmesan, but no. love it. Love for me, it's more about cheese. the tomato. Like it's got to be, it's got to, like if it is a meaty sauce, you do still need a lot of actual sauce as well, like actual tomatoiness to it. Otherwise it's yep. not, it's too dry. It gets too dry. And don't, and don't forget, you have to add a little bit of sweet to your tomato, a bit of sugar or something to balance off the acidity. Just a bit of honey. That's what I go with. Yeah, a bit of honey. Yeah. That's yeah. a healthy version. Yep. Well, it's not really healthy. It's still sugar, but you know. Um, now, snatch, I, I, I inserted my yep. own question. Um, yes. Fritters, fritters, potato or pineapple? Oh, my God. You know, I had pineapple fritters for the first time in Bali at yeah. one of the resorts, and they were awesome. They're not bad, but are I'll, they? But I'll go, I'll go potato. I've, look, honestly, I like a pineapple fritter when I know that the, the, the chip shop is really good and they're not going to overcook it. But if I'm not sure, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go safe with a potato. Yeah, yeah. So you'd go, you'd you'd have a pineapple uh, fritter at Macca's fish and chip shop then. Oh yeah. Well, if it's good, apparently he's quite anal about making sure the stuff doesn't get burnt. So yeah, I probably would go for a pineapple fritter there. I'd say. So Mike, I've got one question that's not on here. Then. Okay. You got an Indian cuisine or Italian? Which one do you choose? Oh, don't make me choose. Come on. Yes, you have you have to choose. Right. Well, I'm going to have a counter question when I answer. Um, yeah. I think if I have to choose, I probably choose Indian because yes. it's just so filling. And it's not yes. it's not filling in the same annoying bloaty way. Ah, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> but my counter question is Indian or Mexican? No, nah, Indian every oh, day. Mexican. Mexican. Mexican Mexican's sure. actually very very boring. It's all the same stuff. The thing that amazes me about Mexican is how you can have the same ingredient put together in a whole bunch of different ways, and it tastes different every time because the texture is different. Nah, it tastes all the same. Nah, it's, don't it, agree. Don't agree. Indian, Indian, all the time, every time. We've what's the, a, what's the a, next? Yeah, we've got a couple of feedback uh, comments on Spreaker chat. Um, Craig McKay has said potato. Pommy Power has said add butter and black pepper to pasta before putting sauce on. I don't ah. mind that idea. Um, it is nice to butter the noodles before you put sauce on. Sometimes. Yes, yes. If you wanted to cut down on butter usage, then don't. <laughs> Um, Pommy Power said hashtag putting and I'm not sure what that's about Dylan is in favour of Mexican he's he's a very sane person he's in favour of Mexican boo, over Indian boo Dylan boo Dylan 
Yeah. Well, here's here's the other one. Do you put a bit of oil in your water before you drop in the pasta so it doesn't stick? No, I just do salt. Uh, I always drop in a bit of olive oil. Seems to work. All right. Yeah, I guess it probably yeah. does. Yeah, salt works for me. Um, we've got another one here, which is a quick one, but it's a long question. Uh, in the draft review podcast, uh, he quoted Nekas asking, what are the expectations of SPP in 2017? And I said he'd play about 10 games. He'd be doing well if he did. Mac was about to say that seems fair. And then Mission Possible chimed in saying, no, 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 no. He'll play round one. As long as his body holds up, he is best 22. The question is, how smug is Mission Possible right now? And the answer is extremely. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't spoken to him for a while, but I would imagine that he would be... Uh pretty happy it's one of those things where you know you don't need to even be in the same state as mission possible to know how smug he is right now it just radiates from the state of south australia but isn't it isn't it good though that we held faith and didn't drop him after the two losing games against very strong teams look i didn't think he was even bad then i guess he just didn't get the possession output that's all yeah, but in every one of these games, he's playing you know under seventy percent game time. So yeah, even when he has yeah. a low, even when he has a low possession game, when you multiply that out to a full game, he's played pretty well. Um, but knowing yeah. knowing Mish as I do, he's a very humble guy, so he he would not rub it in. <laughs> oh, okay, we've had another couple of comments. Um, Maka has said no. You you put a bit of oil on the pasta after draining. No, but then it's all stuck together. Yeah, you've got to clean up an extra mess. Um, Dylan has said Mexican and chocolate in the pantry. Forget Rick and Macca, I am the one true co-host, and maybe. I agree. Um, Giovanni Dos Santos, cold chocolate is like cold beer. It's normal, better, and right. That's that's very radical. I I don't agree at all. Mm. What was that, sorry? Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos reckons that cold chocolate is like cold beer. It is normal, better, and right. No. no, but is there such a thing as chocolate pasta? I hope not. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure there is, and it's probably there... in some restaurant that does eating challenges or something like that as well. But could there be like a dessert pasta? Could there be like a chocolate pasta? So you could have shave, make a pasta with shaved chocolate, like lots of chocolate, and then you could make like a melted Nutella sauce to drizzle on top of it with maybe some marshmallows and a bit of icing sugar. I can't think of anything I want to eat less than that. Oh, my God, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be terrible. I'm oh. on day four. If you haven't noticed, I'm on day four of my complete sugar detox. I haven't had any, <laughs> right, any okay. sugar-related products. So we, we can't really all. take any views you show on, on sugary products seriously at this point. Got it. Can someone please try and make um, chocolate pasta and tell me how it goes? I reckon it would be amazing. <laughs> I've had chili uh, pasta with chili mixed into it, and that's nice. Yeah, that would be good too. Mm. Yeah, I miss sugar. Anyway, I digress. All right, look, we'll get to the final wrap now. Um, Craig McKay has agreed with me that that sounds disgusting, what you'd propose with the chocolate pasta and the melted chocolate and all those sorts of things. It sounds like the kind of thing that someone, I don't know, I think it sounds just absolutely disgusting, absolutely disgusting. So I'm going to try it. Taste with it. Well, feel free. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it and see, see how it works when I'm eating <laughs> sugar again. And okay. I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you both. Please don't. I don't want to even think that someone's doing that. Oh, no, it looks like Mecca's linked a recipe. I'm not going to tell people where to find it. Yes, please. <laughs> please. Right. Well, we'll get into the final wrap because we are over time. 
Um, okay. Who's your winning side, and what's your margin, and who's the highest goal kicker for Port? Port Adelaide mm-hmm. by 76 points. Okay. And Robbie Ray with six goals, three. I'm going to say Port Adelaide by 67 points, and SPP is going to kick the most goals with five. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, fear factor. So who do you think at Port Adelaide is the most dangerous player that West Coast should be concerned about? Oh, we'll have to, oh West Coast has to be concerned yeah, about. Yeah, who do they have to be? Pat- who would they be worried about? Paddy Ryder. I think I kind of agree. I would have said Ollie Wines if West Coast had a better ruck option, but I agree it has to be Paddy Ryder at this point, I think just because he offers something that they can't match um, except mm-hmm. by maybe negating. And if they are only negating, then that's not going to be for the midfield, I don't think. Sure. Um, and uh, which West Coast player should Port be most concerned about? Who at West Coast are we concerned about? Oh, Kennedy. I have to be the obvious one, right? Especially I mean, really, after the stats he's... that you brought out. He's such a barometer for their side, I have to agree. It's going to be Kennedy, and I think Cleary will get the job on him. We'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. Mac has said that Robbie Gray is the player that West Coast should be concerned about, and I kind of can see that, but yeah, I don't know. But, but Paddy Ryder will help get the ball down to Robbie Gray. Well, yeah, pretty much. And Mac has said that we should be worried about Jeremy McGovern, which I can see the point of that, but... I think that he'll only shut down one player if he plays well, and that's probably Dixon, who we probably don't depend on hugely, although he did have a very good game last week. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Quiet Achiever, who is going to put in the game of highest standard that may not wow the crowds? Dan Houston. I'm going to go Darcy Byrne-Jones, because I reckon he'll completely sell up one of their small forwards. Oh, yeah. Darcy, he'll be good. I love Darcy too. Yeah, he's, I reckon he's having a good year. Um, Houston's the Darcy of like, this year of last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and any game? Oh, sorry, are there any other games that you're looking forward to this weekend? To be honest, I don't even know what the other games are. All right, well, I'll give my three. Um, the first yeah. one is Bulldogs versus Richmond for the likely pile on of Richmond failure. Um, I think that's Bulldogs are going to win that one, and that'll be what if they win for Richmond. Well, if, what Richmond if they win, win, that's okay. There's plenty of opportunities for them to lose games later on. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see how Melbourne and Hawthorne goes because of how ahead of themselves Melbourne might get if they beat Hawthorne, even though Hawthorne aren't Hawthorne anymore. Um, and I think St Kilda, I think St Kilda, this is probably going to be the game of the round from my view. Uh, St Kilda versus GWS because I think they're both teams that, like, I'm personally having trouble getting a real handle on. Um, mm. I think that St Kilda's playing actually really well this year, um, but maybe not entirely consistently. Whereas I think GWS are playing below themselves. Um, which mm. sounds weird to talk about for a team that's... I think I think they're still above us on the ladder. Um, so I think this is going to be a really interesting game. Like, I wouldn't want to predict the result of this at all, um, particularly as and it's in Melbourne. Even the Frio-Essendon game will be of interest because, Less you know, though. Frio... Well, I think so because, like, you know, Essendon are obviously uh, winning games and Frio's actually won more than what people expected. So... Um, you know, they were, it was going all doom and gloom after we annihilated them, but then they won yeah, three of trots. So, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, which one's going to step up to the plate there. They're both out of the uh, top eight just on percentage. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, but yeah, um, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to go out of my way and watch it, however. But um, yeah, I'll be interested to see who wins result-wise. Yeah, um, Mecca says that Collingwood versus Carlton is a game worth watching. I find it hard to get excited about any Collingwood versus nah. game, so no. No. Nah. <laughs> You're wrong. No. Nah. 
Macca's just Macca's just saying that because he's going to have like five bottles of wine before the game. That's all. Well, yeah, he did indicate of his three fridges, one was a bar fridge, one was a wine fridge, and one was a regular fridge. So he's got a lot of alcohol yes. on hand. Can I can I just can I just tell you, Portia? Yeah. Two and a half cups of flour. Okay. One. A quarter no, wait, of a cup I don't want the recipe for your disgusting Unsweetened pasta. cacao power. <laughs> quarter of a cup of powdered sugar. Salt. Three large eggs beaten. See, the sugar's going to get in the way of making the pasta. One tablespoon of chocolate syrup. One teaspoon of vanilla extract to help make your chocolate pasta with chocolate nah. hazelnut cream sauce. Yeah, nah. That nah. looks really good. No, nah, that, that sugar's yeah. going to mess up that, the consistency of that pasta. It's going to be disgusting. What, be a bit grainy, you reckon? Oh, I reckon it just won't hold properly. I don't I, like for me. I like a an al dente pasta, and I don't think that'll be anywhere near it. I think it'll be kind of soggy. We could always change the sugar for glucose syrup. Well, that won't help it with being more solid, will it? But this is powdered sugar, so that's yes. probably like icing sugar. Yeah, but all so that... you won't get the you won't get the granular texture. No, all that does is take a little bit of moisture out of it, but it doesn't change what sugar does. I'm gonna, oh man. One on this sugar like removal When you, when you cook diet. sugar, it caramelizes, right? That's that's what it does. Uh, it doesn't matter Maybe. how fine you you've cut it up or, or made it made it to inform. It's it caramelizes, and so it's going to try and do that in the pasta. I'm going to try and make it for somebody. I think if you use glucose syrup, that would eradicate that. No, nah, no. Nah. All right. Well, look. If you can manage to make it and have it have some sort of pastaish consistency, good luck to you. Yeah. But I think it does need a chocolate Nutella sauce. It needs to be. It needs to be completely indulgent. It needs to be chocolate on chocolate. You see, I don't even agree. Like, even if we accept the principle of chocolate-flavored pasta, I would still rather have a bit of raspberry coolie in there to give it that little bit of tartness. Well, they did put raspberries in this recipe as a oh, garnish. Did they? Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no tartness. Just pure indulgence. Pure yeah. sugar chocolate. Okay. Well. But come, come on, who's, let's face it. Who hasn't just eaten Nutella out of a jar before? Me. I don't like Nutella. Oh, my God. It's amazing. You've got to just <laughs> buy this. But I've, see, on my sugar detox, what I, what I fall back to now is peanut paste straight out of the jar. Oh, my God. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Unless you have too much and then your mouth clakes together and you could start choking. So be careful, people. Don't have too much peanut paste at one time straight off the spoon. All right, well, look, I mean, I guess we'd probably better stop talking about crap because we're at the point where Macca will probably just edit all of this out for the actual final thing, so... Boo, well, you better not. All... Macca, Macca, you better not. I'll be very <laughs> disappointed if you edit this shit out because it's quality shit, Macca. And, and on that note, calm the power. Power! Calm for it, and thanks for listening. Pleasure. Well, they've got three in about five minutes here. Well done. Could you do it again? It's going and going and going home. He's kicked three. Unbelievable. 